Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Recommended by four out of five dentists, just like your favorite dental floss. It's in soccer, we trust. And I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside my former U.S. men's national team teammate, Charlie Davies, and maybe Heath Pierce. I don't know. He's on the road. His internet's a little sketchy. It's, it. you know, when you're Hollywood Heath Pierce, these are the things that kind of happen at time to time. Also, we're excited to offer up a new segment on today's show called Stock Up, Stock Down, based on how our national team players on the men's side, of course, are performing for their respective club teams and how that's helping or potentially hurting their chances of making the World Cup team this winter. We're also going to discuss the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League between MLS side, the Seattle Sounders, and Mexican League side, Pumas. Now, the first leg, which was in Mexico City, this one is in Seattle. It ended 2-2 with some questionable refereeing decisions, but when it's CONCACAF, what do you expect? And we will take questions from you guys, of course, and we're going to get into everything else that uh, involves the, the U.S. Men's National League. Listen. First, though, before we get into any of that, I want to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, Charlie Davies. What's up, Chuck? What's going on? Just me and you today. The show feels better already without Heath. You know what I mean? I'm I'm already (laughs) more relaxed. There's more freedom. (laughs) There's more freedom to (laughs) chat and to talk. So before we go anywhere, how how was your weekend? Were you Mm -hmm. you doing New England Revolution stuff? And if so, how excited were you to see Matt Turner back on the field? That's a big deal. Well, I was pumped because he changes the dynamic within the team. It, one, there's the supporters are buzzing just because he's on the field, but he gives a certain confidence to not only the back line, but the whole group that they can be a little bit more on the front foot. They don't have to worry about what's in behind. He comes off his line. He communicates. His distribution is fantastic. So I think from that standpoint, the Revolution are obviously in a much better place. They looked like the team last year setting the record season, uh, record setting season in MLS regular season points as compared to when he's not in the goal um, and how this year has gone. So good to see him. My parents were in town. Um, they hadn't been to Boston in, in three years. So it was nice to have them come to the game wow. hang out with, with their, with their grandsons and, um, yeah, I have nothing to complain about. Life is so good. Now, I can't tell you? if it's your parents that were uh, the good luck charm for the Revs getting a clean sheet or if Matt Turner. I don't It's kind of like one or the yeah, other. Here. Maybe, other. maybe a combination of both. Now, apparently, he heard us talking some trash, and he wants to actually get in. It's Heath Pierce, everybody. He's joining us. Hey. There he is. Look at him. Look at him on his, his banana phone. How's it going, Heath? This is the internet connection I've got for today. So uh, <laughs> this is about as good as it's going to get. I'm actually uh, am on, a, on a phone connection, but it's good to see you guys. Um, you know, what are you we'll, doing I'll in Phoenix, pretend. man? Let, let's uh, we've, got the, Phoenix. We, we, we've got the uh, right here. You can see maybe on my hat. Uh, we have the, all the Anza football uh, national finals. So we went through our Copa Alianza finals, which is the adult tournament. Uh, where they're playing for a $50,000 cash prize that finished over the weekend, that finished yesterday. And then we had our Copita, which is our youth national tournament that wraps up here uh, from, from 10 different markets. And then over the next three days, we've got about 60 kids 
that are here, both uh, boys and girls, that are training and playing some scrimmage matches against uh, professional scouts from around Major League Soccer, U.S. Soccer, FMF, uh, Mex uh, Liga Mekis clubs, um, MLS Next Pro clubs, things like that. So uh, just here to uh, to observe and monitor and 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 see what's uh, going on with this uh, Hispanic uh, football okay. marketplace. So tell me, the future's bright, right? I mean, we, there's got to be some kids. I know there was one of our players here at the San Francisco Glens. I help out the club here in San Francisco uh, that uh, went down to Alianza and did well and ended up going to Atletico de Madrid, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But now he's back with us for now. Uh, he's only 15, so you know you got to take all of those big, big decisions into consideration, but a really talented player. So I'm excited that you're doing that. In particular, I think it's important for all of us to give back uh, to the next generation in, in different ways. All right, let's talk about the CONCACAF Champions League final. Charlie, I'm going to come to you first. Leg one, 2-2. Two, two. Now, Pumas were also, well, they were down once before. Not that they're down in this one, but they have some work to do going into Seattle for leg two. And they were down 3-0 to your revs. And they came back in Mexico City and got the three goals and ended up winning in penalties. So, And I thought that showed... Some, some resolve from Pumas, but we also saw in leg one that there are some vulnerabilities in that Seattle Sounders defense that can be taken advantage of, and also some friendly refereeing potentially on the day. I don't know who's refereeing, but I do want to throw this stat out there. Three of the last five times that an MLS team has avoided first leg defeat in Mexico, they've gone on to win the two-legged tie. The two exceptions, though, both occurred in finals. Seattle won their last three home games against Liga MAQ's clubs, losing just two of eight such matchups. Who are you liking this one going into it? It's Chuck. No doubt the Seattle Sounders. And we, you talked about the resolve that Pumas has. Talk about the resolve that the Seattle Sounders have to go down 2-0 on the road and come back. And yes, it's Nico Ladero scoring two penalties. But again, the character that was shown within this group is incredible. And they had some defensive issues, but that was Yaimar's first game back in a long time. And so it's right. going to take him a little bit of time to get used to, you know, the flow of the game, the speed of the game. But you have to be super confident, especially knowing that Pumas played at the Revolution at Gillette Stadium on turf, similar to Lumen Field, and got absolutely smoked. Not that that's going to happen. But the advantage is definitely with the Sounders. With you talk about the the quality of play that they have, I think they have more game changers and Rui Diaz, who wasn't on who wasn't on fire in that game. You, you could tell he was a little bit off, and that typically doesn't last long. If Rui Diaz has a bad game, usually he responds with a strong game following. So you have that Ladero's coming back into the Nico Ladero vault, and they're just I think from top to bottom is a is as stacked an MLS team as you're going to get. So. You, I don't think there's ever been a situation where you've had the top team in MLS with is, is the depth for days coming into a home final after such a strong result against Pumas. Yeah, Pumas did beat Pachuca, which is the best team in Liga Mekis right now, 2-0, with a brace from Juan Donato, who is easily the best player that Pumas has, is their striker. Well, so that's, that, I was going to jump in and of, say, I mean, Juan yeah. Ignacio Deneno ended up scoring the two goals against the Sounders in leg one, had two more goals against a very good Pachuca team, as you mentioned this past weekend. The guy's on fire. If the Sounders can't slow him down, it's going to be a bit of an issue. Now, what I find interesting, though, Heath, is that this past weekend, Pumas did play and the Sounders didn't. So MLS doing a little uh, scheduling favors for the Sounders. Yeah, a little, 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 little bit it. of the dark arts. Just, Here we go. Just, a little, just yeah. dab one of the dark arts of scheduling. It's fine. It's no big deal. The Sounders 
are going to find themselves in a good spot. But I did see that Connor mentioned that there was two away goals the Sounders scored. Unfortunately, in the CONCACAF Champions League final, the away goals don't count. Every other round it does, but the finals it doesn't. I don't know how much we want to give to that. That's just CONCACAF being CONCACAF. But obviously, if the away goals did count, Sounders would obviously have a bigger advantage in this one. Heath, how are you feeling about this particular matchup? And can the Sounders finally win the CONCACAF Champions League for an MLS side? I again it's been go renamed because because the Galaxy won it in two thousand, but yes, I mean yeah, yeah, in the modern in the modern in the modern, modern version, game rebranded version, the rebranded uh, version. Uh, again, I I, it, I I I have this love for the Seattle Sounders because of the dynasty that I think they built, and this could be a piece that I don't think you hold it against them if they don't win it, but they are now in prime position to be sort of the modern dynasty in Major League Soccer in the way that we've seen them build a club, make the playoffs consistently. You know, we talked about this before in comparison to, say, a Seattle Sounders versus a, a Sporting KC where a few different results go Seattle's way. They, they're they a playoff team, but they're also built to play in knockout round games. They're built with that type of maturity, with that type of experience. And this is one that I, I feel that they are very well uh, situated to, to, to win this one. Don't get me wrong. Pumas have, have come a long ways in their in their path, right? You talked about the, the comeback against against New England. When they played, uh, I think it was Saprissa, they also had to t- leave it to the second leg to get the result. And then Cruz Azul uh, being able to, to get there. I mean, it's, not, it's a Pumas team that has literally, you know what they kind of remind me of? They kind of remind me of the way that we, we that Canada was regarded going through the summer and then into qualifying where they kind of have this chip on their shoulder. They know that they're, under, they're the underdog. They're not historically one of the big few within the league. And so they're going to have a little bit of that fight and a little bit of that, uh, you know, what do we have to lose mentality, which is a dangerous one. But when you get into a final, I think, you know, Seattle has proven over time that they have an ability to withstand that type of momentum swing. And and I think that they're in the perfect position to be able to almost even comfortably win this game at home. Yeah, I'm just to say, just to get this far, the Sounders had to beat FC Matagua. They had to beat Club Leon from, from Mexico, which I find an interesting one. And then they, they beat uh, NYCFC, the reigning MLS champions in the semis. But but the Club Leon one is, I'll just say the Lions of Mexico, because they lost to Leon in the League's Cup final in Las Vegas back last September. And and that has to sting a little bit because they were so close to, to, to winning the first ever League's Cup, which would have been a pretty big deal. Now, Seattle reached four out of the last six MLS Cups, and they lifted the trophy in 16 and 2019. So to your point, Keith Pierce, they are definitely building a dynasty here. And, and you're going to want to think they're, they're pretty desperate to want to win an international competition. They've done it domestically, but can they do it internationally? I think it's going to be the big one. Now, just so everybody knows from, from Pumas' side, they beat Saprissa from Costa Rica, the Revs, as we talked about. And six-time winners of this competition, Cruz Azul which was, I think, a pretty impressive uh, two-legged affair for Pumas and really demonstrated that they're kind of like the Eintracht Frankfurt for everybody that's following European or Villarreal, right? They're not very good in domestic. I think they're going to end up finishing 11th right now and barely squeak it into this new expanded format for the playoffs in Mexico. But not really that great, not that consistent, but for whatever reason, they're turning it up in international competition. Where are the key matchups for you, Chuck, in this one in particular? We talked about uh, Deneno for their, their... player that scored four goals over the last two games who's on fire finds himself in good spots you give him a half chance he hits the back of the net or do you feel like it's the flip side do you think it's it's the attack from Seattle with Rui Diaz and a reinvigorated Ladero and Roldan and and Jordan Morris against that back line from Pumas well I, I think about how where Pumas is dangerous and the danger is from Deneno 
getting service. So it's the wings, the wide areas. That's what the Seattle Sounders have to watch out for. And when you're looking at the Seattle Sounders, it's all going to come down to Alex Roldan and Nuhu, and then the support from Jordan Morris and Roldan, and really your your two midfielders. So whether it's Jao Paulo or, or Rusnak, being able to come inside when Nuhu has to step up so that they don't leave that space in behind them. So uh, uh, it's going to be Mozo who, who went out injured in that first inning. So whoever replaces him and, and uh, Velarde, uh, the left back. So mm-hmm. those are the two areas that you have to really concentrate on, not allowing you know Pumas to get their outside backs up high. And then Mark Denena and always have someone fronting him and backing him and, and touch tight in the box. Okay, so for Heath, a little bit of a different question, but you can still answer the same one I just asked Chuck. Pumas have won just two out of the last 12 away matches that they've played in 2022. But like I just mentioned, you know, you're in a different type of competition. You're going to get amped for this in a way that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Lumen Field, where the Sounders play, supposed to be sold out. Uh, thanks to Marshawn Lynch, I think in particular that uh, that commercial where he's, it's a big effing game. Is absolutely amazing. So is he, is he not an Oakland Roots fan anymore? What team does he support? I mean, it was, you know, well, if he Oakland supports Roots one is, more, we're going to have to call him out a little bit. But I'll give well, him two for now. Oakland Roots is his lower league team. And the Seattle yeah, Sounders yeah, is an fair. MLS team. That's but his, it's going to be over 60,000 it. people. It's going to be sold out. It's going to be loud. I think it's going to be fantastic. The game is Wednesday night, everybody, just to make sure if we hadn't said that already. But as it's being talked about in the chat right now in the comments, and if you want to hit us up about this game, give us your prediction, ISWTPod on Twitter. If the Sounders do end up winning, it'll be the first MLS team ever in the FIFA Club World Cup, which we know is a big deal because we get a lot, we get to play against these big teams in friendlies over the summer. But there's always that excuse that they have. Well, it's our preseason. If an MLS team bests any of these big clubs from Europe, uh, but it's preseason. We can't, you know, and then whatever. It's 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 a it's a dumb argument. But now when we have FIFA Club World World Cup, we can really sink our teeth into a, a meaningful matchup and, and really show what we're capable of. And I think it's a really important thing for MLS and the perception of MLS. I don't know where you want yeah. to go with that. I'm kind of just no, leaving no, it I, open-ended. I, but where do you, yeah. you just pick it up and run. Pick it up and run. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fumble. I got it. Uh, <laughs> which way do I run? Uh, no, listen, uh, that's an that's a NFL joke, guys, if you know Marshawn Lynch. We're just doing a little bit of uh, Im- improv work here, Jimmy. Good stuff. Uh, no, look, I think uh, if anybody uh, has, has never been to a, a match in Seattle, especially when it's a full crowd, I mean, that is a very loud hostile environment if you remember going back early when they started they were the first one in the league doing this sort of the viking clap and you could feel they found a way to bring that stadium and bring people into that stadium into the match immediately and i remember going back just anecdotally when i first came back to major league soccer i'd fight we had five games left with fc dallas before the end of the season uh it was just after the transfer window had closed and we had to win all five to go to the playoffs this is the first year the sounders were in the league and we played the fifth game. So one four in a row, got to the fifth game that we had to win because we were, you know, five games in a row is pretty right. tough, right? Anywhere yeah. in the league. But we almost did it. We got to the final game. And I think we may have even gone up one nil. And that that place was rocking. And the pitch was fast. They had it watered. We were chasing the game and they were just running us everywhere. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, we we technically were the better team going into that game and form-wise. But the way that they play at home, the way that they play on turf, the way that they play in front of that stadium, it was so hard that the entire game you felt late to second 50-50 balls. You felt late to like uh, arriving. You felt like every time there was a challenge, it ended up going their way. And all those things that 
you know, you both have played in those games where it just feels like, man, we can't get a break. And I think that's the element that's going to give them that, that, that the edge because, you know, 60,000 and that stadium is going to be incredible. And while Pumas play in front of hostile crowds on a regular basis, both home and away, uh, this is going to be something different, especially considering that they're playing on turf and a team that's comfortable playing on turf. You know, with regard to winning it, one of the things that I, I've spoken to a lot of people that have won uh, CONCACAF Champions League in Mexico or playing in Liga Mekis, their biggest thing is playing in the Club World Cup. We've never really made a big deal out of that. But for them, it's like a shop window because for most of those domestic players, it's their big chance to play against a Real Madrid. It's their big chance to play against a Chelsea or whoever there. And so I think we almost need to embrace that because I, I don't know how you guys feel about the Club World Cup, but I've always thought it was kind of silly. Um, but then when you when I heard when I started to hear the teams in in, in Liga Mekis talk about the importance of the Club World Cup and what that means for them to challenge themselves against teams they wouldn't play otherwise, I was like, maybe it is a big deal. Maybe we should be taking it more serious, and maybe I personally should be taking it more serious. Now, what do you think, Charlie? Any thoughts on the FIFA Club World Cup? And just because you've experienced, because we've gone through the trenches, all three of us together in the development of the game in this country, how important it would be. Not only for the competition, though. Obviously, we can't walk in there and get beat 5-0 by everybody, and I don't think that would happen. But just the perception of us finally being the best team, MLS team being the best team from this region and representing the region against the Real Madrid's and Chelsea's of the world. It's massive. Uh, so to go against what Heath said, I've always seen the importance in that. And in, <laughs> in particular... Heath doesn't care me. about the FIFA Club World Cup. Yeah, he's like, oh, who cares about it? <laughs> I, I would love to. Maybe it's because we haven't been around it. I have no, like, like whatever horse in the race for this type of thing. But, like, it always seemed like just this additional thing where you're like, all oh, these random teams play together in some neutral venue in the Middle East yeah, have gone to some of the but games. It, but but think if you're an MLS player and you've never played for the national team, but you have all this potential. And, you know, in, in some cases, maybe you could be, but you just need, you need a club to see you need to, you need another eye to be like, Oh, this kid can play. Like here's a bid. And all of a sudden it, it spreads like wildfire. And then you get a national team call up. But the do idea you think is that's really the odds of that. Or is that a little bit dreamy though, Charlie? No, like, do you think no, that's a at, real, at, the, at, the, at this stage now, big clubs are coming to MLS to look for young pl players. Look at all the young Americans out there balling playing for these big champions league clubs. So now, that there is a, a big magnifying glass over Major League Soccer. I like it. I, I look at it at this though. There's a lot of clubs in MLS, Seattle Sounders, massive in North America in MLS, but not across the globe. Galaxy are on the map because of Beckham. But it hasn't there hasn't been one club like the Galaxy known around the world because you're not getting that exposure. So if you get a chance to go to a club World Cup and you're playing against the Champions League winners, you're playing against the Asian Champions League winners, you're playing against some of the top teams, that is, one, a way to, to grow your brand, Major League Soccer, and the club around the globe. But also, man, you get that competition. How, mm -hmm. how many times have we said, hey, we'd love to play against the top teams in Europe for something that matters, not a friendly in the summer where – you know, maybe half the guys are going out the night before and, and, you know, it's not serious. Now you're competing for a championship. There's the quality is there and there, the the competition is there, which you typically don't get in the summer. It's more of, ah, oh, we just got to get fit. No, this is trying to win. So you're playing against the best of the best and it, and it matters. So I think that's why the Club World Cup is, is fantastic. Similar to the Confederations Cup. It's not a a thing that a lot of people think, oh, I got to play in the Confederations Cup, but you get to go to it and you go, whoa. This is amazing, you know, so 
I think that's the benefit of of a competition like that. Jimmy, and also, here's a question also, for you real quick. No, go Here, shoot, here's a question shoot. for you. It's a little bit off topic, but I would say that the Seattle Sounders are one of the three most globally known clubs in Major League Soccer. Who would you say are the three most well-known clubs? Galaxy, Major obviously. Soccer? Galaxy, Galaxy, for sure. Yeah, no, no, Galaxy, well, yeah. they, made, they make it a point to sign the Red, biggest names. Yeah. So. Red yeah. Bulls. But, like, who else? Red Bulls. I mean, would DC United be in there somewhere? No. Just, no? Just because I they're think Seattle. I mean, everywhere I've, I've gone around the world, people know Seattle. Yeah, I'll Seattle. Right now, Inter Miami is. Inter Miami is. Miami <laughs> is the premier place for vacation. Right? Yeah, of course. For a lot of, a lot, a lot of European players. Now, all of a sudden, David Beckham is the owner there, and they have yeah, a professional right. team. Right. They had Blasma Tweedy. So, you think about oh we got a World Cup winner. Beckham's got his name, his brand everywhere. He's got his sure. hands and everything, and now he's telling everybody, make sure you know I got a club and you want to come play. Seattle had Jimmy Traor. He won a Champions there. League with Liverpool. <laughs> hey, the word is the word is out there. So I would say across the globe, yes, it's Galaxy and Slaton was the latest massive star to play there. So Beckham and Slaton. You had Stephen G. Uh, New York City FC might be there just because you had Pirlo, you had David Villa, you had uh, Frank Lampard. Lampard. You know, yeah. New York City is a <laughs> major city. If all the people I've come across when they say Major League Soccer, oh, I might want to play there, you always want to play in the big city. So it's either LA or New York, typically. And now you throw Miami into the wrinkle. Oh, that sounds pretty nice. But I think it's Red Bulls or New York City FC, and then. Inner Miami as of late, just because of, of back. I mean, it, it makes you wonder if Real Salt Lake regrets calling themselves Real when they don't even get the global love for copying Real Madrid. You know what I'm talking that, about? Everybody? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Wait, hey, were, were either of you guys in that in that uh, camp national team camp in Switzerland when uh, Chris Seitz got called in and they were doing introductions and they were like, "Say your name in the club you play for," and he was like, uh, "You know, Chris Seitz." I think it was Chris Seitz. He's like, "Chris Seitz, Real," and um, Peter Novak in the back just screams Real Madrid. And like, just everybody started <laughs> laughing at him for like trying oh, to take the no. real name in a, in a thing. They're like, no, you no, don't get to call it real. You got to call but, it uh, uh, real. So like, I remember it being like such a Peter Novak. Awkward, moment. pretty awkward. But yes, if anybody off, wants yeah. to answer that question, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT pod, and let us know who you think the three biggest clubs are globally from an MLS perspective i wonder if toronto fc gets thrown into that equation given some of the success that they've had and some of the not the names they've signed maybe in the italian community with insigne yeah. and and uh jovinko in the past something to consider for sure for me though i, I agree with you guys galaxy 100 i mean that's their marketing strategy that's what they try to do i, I think the red bulls are there because but why red bulls because the name well, like you well, know on it's a global global brand it's a global it's a brand yeah brand. but like well, this so is I mean, Man City's a b bigger global brand than than the the Red Bull branding in terms Listen, of if, honestly, teams. if NYCFC had their own stadium, I think they're they're we're talking about a like that conversation changes. But because yeah. they're still redheaded stepchildren at Yankee <laughs> Stadium and they play in a baseball stadium, it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't scream super professional I don't know. yet. I don't I know, just know when I travel, a lot of people talk about Seattle Sounders when I'm abroad. Okay, I'll, I'll throw why. Sounders in there. I'll throw Sounders yeah. in there. That's fair. I mean, I'm 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 fighting for my own my own three here, but it is an interesting thing. It's because of, of like, it's because of I, don't, I don't mean Lynch. the players. Saying, I don't no, mean I, saying, I, love it's how, I love how you're fighting for it. I love how you're fighting for it, but yeah. I think it's I mean, Miami's I, I definitely don't mean in there. the players I mean, even, that know because players will know. Like players know now. They're like every player was gonna. Like, remember when uh, 
Robert Perez didn't want to go to Philadelphia because he's like, I couldn't move my family there. And you're like, bro, that's like a multi-million person city with tons of things to do. And, <laughs> and it's like a, it's a massive, it's like, it's bigger than, than most cities in Europe. Uh, like, like we have unbelievable markets compared to like, I was in Rostock. It was at like, you know, a hundred thousand people and, you know, in former East Germany and you're, you're playing in a, in a big league, but there's no, there's nothing there. Uh, compared to almost all the cl- all, almost all the teams we have are in attractive places that people have heard of now. Yeah, I saw that uh, Timbers are a romantic pick. Must be Rose City till I die fan in the comments. I don't know. I mean, I want to say the Timbers. I think they're they're supporters for sure. But given all the negative news surrounding the club for both the Timbers and the Thorns, maybe for the wrong reasons at the moment. I did see that uh, Antoine Griezmann had been linked to Inter Miami. So that's an example for you, Chuck. That. Uh, there are uh, some interests from from players that are like, hey, maybe I will take and, uh, take and, a step and in that. Messi's been floating around a bunch. I know, I know, so. I know, I know. It's crazy. And then one one more thing I wanted to add to the conversation overall about the FIFA Club World Cup. There's an example. It's a 16 year old on Seattle Sanders, uh, Obed Vargas, and he's a tremendous young player. Imagine from if Alaska. he got the chance from Alaska. But but imagine if he got the chance, Heath, to play against a Real Madrid yeah. or a Chelsea. And people wanted to see, yeah, okay, we, we know that he's having success in the Champions League and he's having success in MLS, but how can he do if he's going up against Fede Valverde or Casemiro and Cruz and Modric? Like, then you're going to see what this Vargas kid's all about. So I still think there's a lot of important elements. You know, Ladero's not probably going to get recruited to go anywhere at this point. Rui Diaz, they, they're, they've had their career, but the Vargas kid at 16 has a lot to prove, and that could be a big That's opportunity true. for those types of players. So I just want to throw that out there. All right, we're going to take it, our first and only break, everybody. But when we come back, we're going to do stock up and stock down based on all the recent performances of this past weekend for the U.S. men's national team. And Christian Pulisic's dad came out, shots firing mm-hmm. on Twitter. We're going to get into that as well. And Fabrizio Romano talked about the Christian Pulisic situation. So we have a lot to discuss right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everyone, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce, who's on the road in Phoenix doing the good stuff for the younger generation in this country. We appreciate you. Chuck does it every day, so I don't feel like I need to give him the plaudits. But we know that you're in some, some random hotel room trying to make it happen. <laughs> Heath, appreciate that. So, so 
Chuck, let's get into this. Let's talk about let's some performances that happened this past weekend. Brendan Aronson won the double for RB Salzburg. He came on as a late sub to help them win his two seasons at RB Salzburg. He's won the double both times. We'll see if he sticks around. I don't think he's going to be sticking around, but we'll wait and see. Uh, John Brooks scored this past weekend for Wolfsburg at a 1-1 draw. You know, a, a good uh, sign of him in his last uh, time with Wolfsburg. I'm kind of curious where you think he's going to go, uh, Chuck, in particular you and Heath and everybody else listening and or watching. There's a lot of tremendous performances. Jesus Ferrer scored a great goal for FC Dallas mm-hmm. against Sporting Kansas City. Matthew Hoppy got to play one minute against FC Barcelona for Mallorca this past weekend. I feel like he's on the up now. He's finally getting some minutes. I might <laughs> take away the plural of minutes and just say minute. Minute, yeah. So, so who's stock up, stock down for you? I mean, give us give us an idea, Chuck, of uh, where are you going with uh, our player pool and who do you think did well enough to get maybe on Greg Berhalter's radar in a different way? Well, my first stock up would go to Eric Palmer Brown. I mean, so he's had six great choice, great straight choice starts in Liga. Uh, most recently, beating Lille in a three 0 win. So he played uh, against Timothy Weah. Both players played ninety minutes. Right. Uh, you you have to love his progress. And this is a kid who, you know, when he was playing with the Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you know, academy team. We, we were talking about Juventus and, and all these big clubs, Bayern, Juve. And, and I thought to myself, who is this kid? And and why isn't he really, you know, playing with the youth youth, youth men's uh, kids national team and, and starring? And, and so I think I saw him a bit with the Sporting Kansas City side and he wasn't playing that much. And, and I thought this, this, Kid can't be talking, play, going to play with Roma or or right. you know some of these bigger clubs if if he's not playing with Sporting Kansas City. So now he makes the move from from Man City, takes a loan, and he's playing at Troyes. And I thought it was a great move for him because you need to go to a club where you're playing in the top division, top division, and you're going to be playing. And so the first six month six months for for any player who goes to a new league in a top comp, with top cup competition, it's a little difficult. And for him. He didn't play at all. I mean, he had a game here right. and there, and that was it. Six months comes, he adjusts, he gets it, and and now he's flying. He is absolutely flying, and you can see the development, you can see the progress, and you can see the confidence. So that would be my my massive okay. stock up. But no, Matt no, Turner's no. there as well. Okay, um, you write some Tyler, honorable mentions. Tyler, Tyler Adams is there too. Okay, uh, and and Haji Wright. Those would be like my my other guys that I've taken notice that are going in the right direction. Now, okay, okay. Now, stock down. I just want to say that Busio mm-hmm. was in the 18, didn't play in the 2 1 loss for Venezia to Juventus. Tanner Tessman falls into that. Right. Uh, Reggie Cannon actually played 180 minutes over this past week. One was a win, one was a loss, but 3 0 to Sporting, which uh, is not great, right? That's the competition where you want to prove yourself, but necessarily not on him. Cameron Carter Vickers 1 1 in his 90 minutes for Celtic against uh, Rangers. Uh, Luca De La Torre had 72 minutes in a 1-1 draw versus Twenta. Uh, I don't know. Who else? Ethan Horvath not even playing in the 18 for, for Nottingham Forest as they work their way up the table to try to get promoted back to the Premier League. I mean, there's there's plenty of players out there for you to choose from. Now, I didn't mean to paint all those guys in a negative light, but anybody that stands out for you, uh, stock down. Yes, Ricardo Pepe. Mm. Mm. Ouch. Wah, wah, wah. Tell us why. Ricardo Pepe... I just thought at this stage you would have had gone through that tough adjustment period and the teams in, in a relegation battle and, and they've been, you know, I would say 
on the, on the positive side, there there looks like they're going to be staying in the Bundesliga. So when you're looking at that, you're saying, okay, now they're going to start playing him. He's going to get more opportunities. And right. That has not happened for him. Uh, not playing at all. No burn. And so you, you have to worry about the future for him in the short term. When you're talking about a World Cup and, and, and getting minutes. You need to play. Otherwise, you're not even going to get an opportunity to get into the, to the, to the, to the roster. Right. I mean, so th- it's really difficult. I mean, you go two straight games without getting off the bench and you're already not really in form. It- it's going to be difficult uh, for him to, to finish out the season with, with any positive. Although I do say you have next year. So if they're still in Bundesliga, maybe they say, we're going to give you the spot and you got to run with it. And we're going to give you many opportunities to succeed, but it- it's not looking good. It's not looking good, and it makes me nervous. What's interesting is that I had the same two exact picks that you did, Chuck. So I'm going to try to find two oh, different geez. ones to, to get into. But, you know, great minds think alike. Let's see what Heath yeah, says. Stock up, stock down. Heath Pierce, who, who are you feeling after this weekend's competition for our player pool? Well, I think, by the way, on the Ricardo Pepe front, I think that should be a a word to a the big, wise okay. of just like – one, we are pricing the players are being, going to be cr- priced so high that there's going to be very few clubs that want to take a risk on 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 20 million, right? And he took it on a club that's fighting relegation. And I can't dream of a world where a kid who had one run of form, who wasn't starting at the beginning of the year, hit his run of form, gets his transfer out, should go to a club to face circumstances that are very very difficult. And by the way, if I was the coach of a club, I wouldn't want to rely on my goals to stay in the league and keep my job on an 18 year old, right? I'd probably defer to guys that I've seen year after year put up their eight to 12 goals in a season and they've got those guys. So I think it's just from the very beginning just was a very peculiar move. But I agree with you, Charlie, that there should have been some sort of response that you would think that would at least get him in being like, okay, he's not my starter, but man, this guy, I got to get him on the field at some point, but they're not playing. Do you feel like this is kind of similar to, it's not like for like, of course, but there's some similarities of maybe the board, wanting to buy this player and the coach being a little bit more reluctant. Cause we saw it with, even with Lukaku, like Tuchel came out and said, I didn't want Lukaku, but the board wanted him. And so I'm making it, I'm trying to make it work, even though he doesn't really fit my system but because we don't see Ricardo Pepe playing much. And even when he does, I'm like, he's not bad. They put him out wide on the right and he's making stuff happen. It hasn't necessarily turned into assists and goals, but, but he's still busy. He's still active. He still looks like he's, being positive it doesn't look like he's fearful in any any sense are we getting that kind of vibe about what's happening at augsburg uh maybe i mean it's an american ownership group uh so i get some of the elements of that uh, i think it's the i think it's a uh blitzer blitzer owns owns the uh owns augsburg so there could have been that element of like get the american in there and all that sort of thing but I mean, he was one of the most informed strikers of any young player in the world at that time. It's hard not to get caught up in the hype if you watched him. Like, I went out and said this is the most – like, the, the best natural goal scorer we've ever had. If you watch his nose for goal and be, being in the right spot and that sort of tranquility he has in front of the frame when he was informed, you're just like, wow, this is this – is, you don't think so? No. I mean, obviously, it's easy right now when he's in the, when he's in the dumps as a, as a teenager. But, like, if you look at the way in which he scored goals, the positions that he was in, when you see the, the way that he finishes balls and his, his, his nose for goal, it's, it's a pretty unbelievable skill set that he had for, for an 18-year-old last season. Now he's playing in a completely different circumstance. It's like, it, to me, it's, it, the comparison re- reason I'm not holding him to that right now is because it's, it's, it's the same thing of telling Jose Mourinho to win with Roma. You know, like you're never going to win with Roma, but does it change the way that he is as a manager? No. We're going to judge that over a longer span to see if I'm right or wrong, but I think he's a 
fantastic natural goal scorer. He just is going through that first uh, kind of downside uh, moment of, of his career. That It's hard not to have gotten caught up in the hype. He's a 20 million signing player. There's plenty of video. There's plenty of you know, tape to watch in front, pretty much plenty to judge him from. I just think he made the wrong decision going to that club versus the club thinking that he could come in and do that. Do you, do, well, do you think he should have stayed at FC Dallas? Because in some ways, Jesus Ferrer has really blossomed. He's got six goals so far this season. He scored a tremendous, eh, relatively individual goal against uh, Kansas City this past weekend, where I think if Pepe was there, I don't know if we'd be talking about Ferrer in the same way. He'd be like, ah, I think he can play that spot, but now we know that he can. Charlie, what, what are you thinking about Pepe and, and maybe it's its impact on Ferrer in particular? Well, yes, it's it's growth and opportunity. If Ricardo Pepe was still at FC Dallas, Jesus Ferrer would not be producing like he is now. That's a fact because he occupies the space that Jesus Ferrer likes to get into. Mm-hmm. And the focus for FC Dallas is we are playing to Ricardo Pepe. Now it's we're playing to Jesus Ferrer. So the emphasis is he's our exclamation point. He's the last guy to touch it. He's our goal scorer as opposed to Ricardo Pepe is. That's who we're playing to. And Jesus Ferrer was looking for Ricardo Pepe. It's one of those things where you want your striker, wherever he is, to be playing in consistent minutes. At that age, it's so crucial for development. And I love the fact that Ricardo Pepe said, I want to test myself. I want to go to Europe. I want to be playing with the best but you have to go to the right place. Now I'd say the same thing with Daryl DK. He was going to be a 20 million goal scorer. Was he anywhere close to being the most refined goal scorer? No way, not even close. Right Now Ricardo Pepe is a better finisher, but in terms of the best finisher of all time, not nowhere in sight, I think in just in my perspective. Um, but again, it's, it's a it's a delicate position with the U.S. Women's National Team because we have no experience, and it's all young younger players. And right. from that pool of players, you need consistency, which is very tough to find unless you're in a good place. Like Jesus for right now, you know you don't have to worry about playing time. And that's in, – in a lot of cases, it's unfortunate because in Major League Soccer, if you're the guy, you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder. That That's done. In Europe, you have to. Because it's all about we want production now. You don't have 10 games or 20 games to get into it. You need to perform now. And so in a lot of cases, that forces you to be good. And it forces you to stay on your toes. But we don't have that luxury right now. So so I went down this Ricardo Pepe rabbit hole. And I can't actually remember Heath. Who no, you're, you're asking for my picks. Out. Yeah, yeah. So my stock up <laughs> is, is actually. <laughs> I was like, my- what happened? I blanked. I, I yeah I, I could talk about Pepe all day long, but I mean because uh, you had I, yeah Jordan P. Fox scored again, right? Yeah, Haji Wright's crushing it right now and mm-hmm. should be on the tips of people's tongues, as, at least on the radar. I, uh, you guys I might be know. surprised at what where my stock up was, and it wasn't on necessarily a stock up for for one of our big players. It was a stock up for himself, and that was Paul Ariola setting up Ferreira. I looked at Ferreira as a stock up as well, but uh, it's we've seen in the past of players that were. The MLS guys, just ones that Greg Berhalter or other coaches have relied upon because they trust them. Uh, but Ariola is, is has been fantastic. He's great on the dribble, and he's putting up numbers this year, which I think is really, really important because he's going to be a bubble player to making this team. He's been an important part of right. key moments of matches throughout qualifying. But he's one that I think, okay, if you're 26, maybe he's he, he's he's on that plane. If he's 23 – Man, there's just some depth in positions when you look at just the right wing. We, we talked about it last week when it's whether it's you go with uh, Gio Reyna or Brennan Aronson or Timo Weah or, you know, so on and so forth. Like you get pretty deep pretty quickly. 
that for a player like that, he's, he's having impact on his team right now. He's been a really bright spot for, for FC Dallas since he's gotten there, and his stock continues, I think, to rise and make a case for himself that even though he's not abroad, even though he is a little bit older than the other guys, that he can still be uh, an important part of this national team. Because you know uh, what it's like as you start to get pushed down the, 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 the pecking yeah, order. It's you, hard to get Do you think he's going to be a starter? No, no. I don't think he'll be a starter. Uh, no, but, what, but what, I, how I'm how just giving him a stock up. How, how okay. important do you think it is that Nico Estevez, the coach of SC Dallas, was Greg Berhalter's former assistant? So when Ferreira and Areola are playing well, that information can get to Greg very quickly. It's pretty important, I'd assume. Yeah, Heath? I mean, I would think so, right? All right, cool. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of those conversations have to be transparent ones because I don't think Greg and his staff are watching 75 matches a weekend. You know, we all, well, if they're not, I'm extremely disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do, we, we were doing weekend recaps and you watch as many as you can, but there's only so many you can watch. And then when you're right, watching right. a match, there's only so many key elements that you can occasionally, you just have to be a passive football watcher. You can't be an act. You can't watch a player move around for 90 minutes. It's just not possible all the time. And so I think there's elements of that. Obviously, I think they get a, a big bit of data in terms of, distance covered sprints they get key clips cut up for them to be able to watch and see their their actions and things like that so i think that that communication though with with the coaching staff is really really important and certainly helpful but paul ariel i'm not talking about starter or whatever i'm just talking about him being a bubble just, player just moving up just moving up just, just moving, moving up, up. okay it's, it's easy we're, we're, our hype is all around our young super young players primarily in europe but some mls but not this sort of mid-aged uh player which are going to have a tough tough job to get into this world cup squad all right, talk to us about uh, your stock down. Josh Sargent, stock down. Wow, uh, wow, wow. I didn't even know he was I on. Mean, I didn't even know he was in. He's injured. Give the kid a yeah, break. He's injured. This is, this kid, yeah, but the relegation, this is a stock down photo also. Um, <laughs> he's got like, two consecutive relegations like on, his, on his radar, by no, the way. Honestly, the, the reason why is because, and I'm using the relegation as the reason to talk stock down for Josh Sargent, is that we went from a year ago of this being sort of the guy to can he get into double digits in the Bundesliga? Can he? Can he be a prolific, not prolific, but can he be a consistent goal scorer that's maybe going to be more impactful in other ways than goals, but will get you your goals when needed to now being borderline out of the picture for the national team. And now to drop out of this, kind of find himself in the championship. It's a tough place to go from here. Like, can he be a good championship goal scorer? Actually, maybe with the chaos of the championship, he could do well, but it's just... I just go, where do we go from here for this player? Because I feel like we've lost a year of development for him. Yeah, he got a lot of minutes and he's done well, um, primarily on kind of wing positions for, for for Norwich. But this was a player I had a lot of hope in because he was playing at a young age in the Bundesliga, getting minutes, and you just hope that it can continue to grow. And I just feel like we're kind of out of status quo. And, it, and it's kind of sad because he, he does have a lot of tools that he could offer up. So stock down. Uh, he's, um, for yeah, Sargent. he's becoming a relegation magnet. This is two consecutive seasons he's been relegated, so you might I, want to I stay gotta, away I, from Josh Sargent. Yes, I gotta, he, uh, Charlie, go ahead. I got to give a shout-out to Zach Drummond. I mean, he's asking fire questions <laughs> in the chat. Uh, you know, give us know one. What did he, he say? What did he say? One of them is, doesn't that mean that we have to closely mirror the national team situation, Chuck, making playing in Europe the right challenge because of, of the push, right? I 100% think players should test themselves and put themselves in uncomfortable situations, which is going to Europe and experiencing it and seeing what the top level looks like. MLS is getting there, no doubt. And it's prepping these, these young players for what to expect. Well, the MLS, the day, MLS for me, Charlie, is the first step into being uncomfortable, right? You go right. from kind of being a younger player, whether it's college or academy, 
And then you get into a system where you get to be competing against grown men to put food on the table. Like it's just a different mentality. And then as you prove to have success there, then you can make the jump into your next evolution of uncomfortable. Yeah, the difference is that it's happening 17 to 21 years old. 17 to 21 years old now is where they're they're now establishing Jesus Ferreira. Okay, bonafide starter. What's the next opportunity for him, right? Like he's not being challenged. Whereas before, when we were talking about 22 to 24 years old stepping into the pros, by the time that you get comfortable being a starter and you need the next challenge, you're pretty far down the line. Now we're oh, able I know to, it. to get those those couple <laughs> years, you know. Late bloomer, uh, baby. Let's yeah. know. <laughs> you get those couple years now where they're young, they're teenagers, they're green. You've got to sort of mix between like sort of results oriented and also player development. And then you can go to that next challenge. And that's happening at a much earlier phase, which is a good problem because it's no longer this or that. It's sort of, it can be it. A pathway and i think mls by the way and i don't know what you guys feel but it seems like has embraced their willingness to be like okay every success story now in europe is going to come through mls primarily 80 90 are going to have some sort of success story of an academy first team whether it's a year two years three years and therefore they're part of that journey and no longer it being like they need to be here instead of here it can they sort of i feel like it's matured into growing into its own skin a little bit which i think is helpful yeah, Charlie, yeah. we interrupted you twice. You, you go ahead. No, all good. No. <laughs> so, so I, I think it just comes down to going to your, but going to the right place. And I, one thing that really gets under my skin is hearing these these young players saying, "Oh, I have Chelsea after me. I have Juve after me. I have Real Madrid or Barca or you know Roma. You're not gonna play. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna play. And it's not. And if you do play, it's two or three, four years down the road." You're losing out on development. And there's always the the element of, oh, we're going to buy you, but loan you out to certain clubs. But then those clubs are thinking, I'm just using you for the year. And if it doesn't work out, you're, we're not playing you. We're going to look at our long-term business. And so if you're not going to, if you're not going to help us now, which a lot of cases you still need three to four months to adjust to Europe, adjust to living on your own, adjust to a new language and, and the new mentality – it's 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 detrimental. They're not investing in you over the course of a long, uh, long so, so you're suggesting contract. the Reggie Reggie Cannon route where you go to a Boa Vista or you go to Scandinavia yes. and then you take that step to then so you take these little baby steps to where you want to get to go. Yes, it's it's all about process, like a process and taking the right steps. And so don't go well, a lot of those leagues don't have the depth either, either though, by five. the way. Sorry? I mean, Charlie, when you were in Sweden, by the time you established yourself, you were the the sure starter versus France, you're going to, again, now go into a bigger league than Sweden, have a, mm-hmm. a little more competition where maybe you, you're you still the, the number one when you come in, but you your window gets shorter in terms of I need production because I've got a young player in my academy coming out. I've got another player that I can play as a striker that's in your competition. You've got a number of these things that you got to deal with. So it's not just necessarily y- Europe because there's a lot of places in Europe that have far less depth than Major League Soccer does or competition within mm-hmm. the teams, but... It is. It can be the first right step to the next step of, but, of being. But you're in already in the window. Yeah. You're already in the European window. So all of that. And you're out of your comfort because, zone. Yeah. Yes. So no, no, I think from that standpoint, it's easier to adjust anywhere from that point than going from Major League Soccer and being a star to all of a sudden, oh wait, I have to earn my 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 spot every week, every every day in training. And I think Ricardo Pepe, from what I've heard, doesn't train the best. In Europe, you mm-hmm. have to train like you play. That, mm-hmm. that matters. Training matters and dictates who plays on the weekend and who gets in the squad or who comes off the bench. No, there was a quote from Cole Bassett who just went over to play for Feyenoord. And the coach is like, I like him, but he needs to get better in tight spaces. He played 23 minutes this past weekend. But to your point, Charlie, 
you got to do all those little things that are going to give you that playing time. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on Cole Bassett. Now I'm going to tell you my stock up, stock down very quickly. And even though they were exactly the same as Charlie, I'm going a different direction. I want to talk about Walker Zimmerman just signed a four year, $10 million deal DP deal with Nashville who called them their Tom Brady. I mean, wow. that is crazy, dude. That is crazy. Two and a half million dollars a year. Shout out to a defender working his ass off and uh, he paid for it. <laughs> and, and to his agent, Garland. Mike Garland, Gart, uh, making all that happen. I'm not buying. I'm not paying for for anything next time I see Gar for the record. <laughs> yeah. What what I want to say is that uh, there's a fun fact about uh, Walker Zimmerman. He is only one of 14 players now to be best 11 in MLS three consecutive years and the first defender to do it since James P. Conrad from 2004 to 2006. Flex of the day. Thank you very much. Flex of the day. Yeah, the flex is real. Okay. Who, and who was the other one? Was it Robin Frazier or, or uh, Eddie Pope? It was Eddie Pope. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I don't see my name humble in the stats. Brag. Yeah, humble brag. Yeah, I was a late bluer. It took me a while. Okay. So <laughs> my stock down though is Christian Pulisic. He just... Mm. It's not getting any better for him, and it's a nice segue into what his dad said on Twitter, but he played 22 minutes as a sub uh, against Everton, and then uh, midweek he played uh, 20 minutes again as a sub against Manchester United. They lost at Everton, and they had a 1-1 draw against United, and I don't know what's happening with him. I don't think his stock is down. He's still our number one guy, but I think his situation makes me feel a little bit down about what's happening. Here's what his dad said on Twitter. The sad thing is... He loves this club, teammates in London, puts his heart and soul into being a pro. Onwards and upwards, my boy, big six months ahead. That seems pretty cryptic. Charlie, I'm going to come to you first. I mean, that, for me, signals that Christian is probably out at Chelsea in some capacity. I mean, you don't write something like that. The sad sad thing is that he loves his club and teammates in London. I don't know what else you can take from that other than he's leaving. I mean, let's be realistic here. I think initially when Christian went to Chelsea, it, it was more of a marketing play. It ultimately it felt that way. Uh-huh. It, it really felt that way. It was packaged to be that way. Oh, look at all the depth they have. He's not going to come into play, but he showed the character and the quality that he has, that it's undeniable when he is given time to play and he's fit. He's a menace. He, he can, he can unlock defenses. He's that gifted. And we've seen it against the best Liverpool. I, I remember watching that game uh, was it a couple years ago. I said, "Oh my God, how how was he not the star for Chelsea?" And it seems like he's the scapegoat. Ever any anytime there's an issue, he's the first one off. He's the first one subbed off, or you know he he has to come out of the starting eleven if they're going to rotate. So for me, go to a place where he's going to get appreciated and he's going to play every match. And as long as he can stay healthy, I think we're going to see him reach his potential because that's when he's happy, when he's on the pitch, not when he has to. It feels like of of all the players and the attacking players within the Chelsea team, he's the one that has to repeatedly prove himself. And it's not yeah. only, it's not it's not to the yeah. players, it's not to the supporters, it's always to Thomas Tuchel, always. And so you, you get tired of it. I don't care how good you are. And, it, and it's great that you have to prove yourself every day in training and, and every match. But you get tired of it. There's a certain there's a certain level that you reach and you say, you know what, I've done it. Every time you've asked of me to show out and prove myself, I've done it. And, I, and I'm tired. I'm tired of it because you're not asking everyone else to do the same thing. So I think his, his dad is putting that tweet out. Hey, my son is my son's staying strong. He's in it, but he's ready for a new challenge. The last league start he's had is March 5th. 
Is it there... was a goal and an assist away at Burnley, which is not an easy place to play. Get he needs to get that move. I mean, we always talk about which move is, is well. I mean, is this is this uh an emotional dad here though, Heath Pierce? You know, standing on the sideline going, This coach doesn't know what he's talking about. My son's better than that. I mean, we've yes. seen some evidence of that because I remember I took a shot at Julian Green back when he got named to the 2014 World Cup team, and and uh, I got hit hard by Julian Green's dad uh, in the replies. And, uh, you know, and I get it. I understand. My dad would do the same thing. You're, you're there to protect your kids. I get it. I'm a dad is myself. He, is he his agent? Is he his agent also? I don't think he is. No, I don't think so either. No. No, no, no. Uh, I, think, I, know, I think maybe I at for, one point he for was. Sure, for sure, marketing, he's with uh, William Morris Endeavor. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I think it's definitely dad kind of jumping in and trying to punch out in a way that his agent or he himself won't do. Um, trying to make a little bit of that st- statement. But the thing is, is now he's brought it to life. Now it's now it's a living, breathing thing uh, that, that we're all talking about. And I disagree a little bit with what Charlie said in the sense of like, I think there has been times Pulisic gets injured a lot. He does have a lot of performances where, where when he is a, he is a starter consistently, he has performances where he's pretty indifferent in his performances, and then when he's got the chip on his shoulder, he tends to fight back and bounce back. Same with the national team, right? Where we saw him in the national team, there's a lot of games where you're like, ah. Then you see the games where you're like, this guy's unbelievable, world class, and we kind of forget some of that inconsistency. At least that's how I feel. But I do think I, I agree with Charlie on on the fact that when he when he is asked to prove himself. And say, hey, fight your fight for your place back. He generally does that and does well and 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 proves himself in that way. But I think as a consistent starter, I think Chelsea has struggled with this for 18 months to, to two years of just finding that consistency because they went out and got everybody who's the same age, uh, other than Lukaku, uh, in their front six or seven. Um, and and so yeah, it's it's a little bit I don't know why his dad did that. I don't I like at a certain point he's got to probably just take a step back, you know, from from the helicoptering because he is Christian Pulisic now. He's our best American player. He's a Champions League winner um, at at Chelsea, and he's a massive star. That I it just yeah love Mark also, Pulisic, but like just seemed odd. Also, we should mention that he deleted the tweet, so it, it no longer exists. If you're going to look for it right now, but do you, but the do, internet, do you think the that was him? Do you, th- do you think that was uh, Christian being like? Uh, well, you know, yeah, it's that, serious. Like, if it, someone deletes a tweet, you know that. It's serious that it, they got something kept coming at them, and they said, mm-hmm. "Oh, not a good." It's probably good idea. remember when Christian wore uh, what wore a hat, and U.S. Soccer posted it on Instagram, and he's like, "Why <laughs> yeah. do you guys ask me if you can post that?" It's probably the same thing as like, "Dad, what are you doing? Like, can you just don't make this worse for me or any harder than it needs to be?" And and I I find it interesting Chelsea's situation overall because the the consortium that's that's being the preferred bidder in all this is an American owner, and I doubt that he's gonna want to let Christian Pulisic go. Because it's not from, a, from an American owner who just sees it from a business standpoint. He's an incredible asset to have one of the biggest names in, in American soccer on his team. It's not just going to let him go. So I, don't, I actually don't know if he's going to leave. And I'm very curious to see how Thomas Tuchel, it's if he remains as coach, yeah, continues to, to stick with him and how that all plays out. A lot of questions there. But we're not the only ones discussing this. We also had the opportunity to hear from uh, Fabrizio Romano when he was on the Kego Lasso podcast with our very own Luis Miguel Echegaray. Let's see what Fab had to say. Let's mention Romero Lukaku, but they need to clarify with Pulisic what they want to do together with Thomas Tuchel at the end of the season. They had some approaches from Spanish clubs in January, but for Chelsea it was not even a topic. They wanted to keep him and Tuchel wanted to keep him. So he told the board, I want this player to stay and I need this player. 
But then these players, Pulisic, Rukaku, and many others, they are not happy with the current situation. So it's really important, I think, for Chelsea to clarify what they want to do with them, with contracts, because even for Pulisic, what do you want to do? You trust this player. You want to offer him a new deal or not. So there are many points, and they want to play. They want to play, and so it's a complicated situation too. I'm sure that they will have a conversation with Thomas Tuchel, with a new board in the summer, um, and they will need to clarify what they want to do because maybe it could be an opportunity for him to leave Chelsea in case Thomas Tuchel will accept him to, to go. So Tuchel, and, Tuchel with Romero Lukaku and Pulisic will need to clarify the situation as soon as possible. I think it will be end of May. Interesting, interesting uh, insight there from our very own Fabrizio Romano. Charlie, you hear from Fab there. Seems like he's just as, uh, I was kind of saying some some of the same things, just a little frustrated. They got to get some clarification. Part of me thinks that Thomas Tuchel just sees him as a super sub like that. He thinks that's what he thinks his best role is, a spot starter at best. Mm-hmm. If Tuchel stays, and and then, then the ownership group, I don't. if Tuchel stays, I can understand why Pulisic wants to leave. But if the ownership group comes in and they're like, we're not selling our best American asset, who's a marketing machine for us over here. Now you've got it. You've got an issue because now you're going to have an unhappy Christian Pulisic. And I think from a sporting perspective, that's the last thing we want heading into the World Cup. Both yeah. both final and, groups, by the way, Charlie, are Amer- American. I think they entered into talks with with uh, the Dodgers. But it was I think it was uh, I think it was uh, like Bowler, yes. Harrison pa- and, pa- and Bowler, yeah. from Boston. Let's go. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I think, you know, if, for me, and it was also telling that it was Spanish clubs that came in for Christian. That that's a the the best league for Christian. If you're leaving Chelsea, Villarreal, Atlético Madrid, those are the two clubs that you you want to see him go to. Um, I think in terms of that, you're going okay. If that's not on the table, where in the Premier League would you want him to go? You know, is a Tottenham a place that you could see him oh. wolves, I think would be too, too below, uh, you know, Christian right now. So you have to be a club that's competing in Europe because you don't go from Chelsea and say, yeah, I'd love to go play for, for Everton or for Leeds. You know, you have to stay at that level because once you touch that level, you, you never want to leave it. So I think for Christian, it's, you reassess at the end of the season because maybe Thomas isn't there. Thomas Tuchel, maybe he, he might not be he there. Leaves. You know, you never know. Um, so I think from from that standpoint, you you wait till how you see how the season ends because maybe it ends on a high note. Otherwise, you say, "I need to I need to go to a place where I feel, I'm gonna feel happy." And I, right now, I'm not I'm not happy. All right, everybody listening and or watching, let us know where do you think Christian Pulisic should play if not at Chelsea for the next season. Hit us up at ISWT Pod on. The Twitters, you can do it in the comments right now or whenever you hear this, if you're listening to it on podcast. And while you're there, why don't you hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review, hit like and subscribe if you're watching on the YouTubes. We really appreciate all of your support as we build this tremendous community, especially as we head into a very important World Cup for the U.S. men's national team. Keith, we've already had plenty of discussions where we think Christian should go, but it's one of those things where you play for a top club, even your best players are spot starters at times. And, and that might be a reality that he has to accept because that's what's happening at Chelsea. And, and maybe he's not getting the, the minutes that he needs. But if he drops down, maybe just that one tier. Let's say he went from Chelsea to West Ham. And all of a sudden, he's on the opposite side of Jared Bowen, right? And they got Mikel Antonio up top. And now Declan Rice and Suchek are in midfield. And sure, he might have to replace Ben Rama or whatever. But, but we think we, he could do that. Would he accept that? I mean, Kurt, it took Kurt Zuma a long time to leave Chelsea to go to West Ham to kind of see it the same way where, you, hey, buddy, you're going to be a spot starter. But if you come to West Ham, you'll probably start all the time. 
Yeah, I mean, West Ham's an interesting one because... I, I just throw he, that as an example, by it, the way. It is an example. It's a great example. I feel like he tends to play better with quality players around him. I, I, I think... So would I, can agree. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for sure. But he tends to try to put a lot more on his shoulders when he comes to the national team and True. feels like he's got to be the guy. But when he's got good quality around him, I think that's why I like. You say, oh, wait, 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 first Chuck, did you hear that right? Is he saying the U.S. men's national team doesn't have quality? Does Heath Pierce hate the U.S. men's national team right now? Yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> hey, boo, you guys! Stop, stop hating the U.S. men's national team. I'm going to delete this tweet. <laughs> delete your tweet. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. He feels that responsibility, uh, whereas I think maybe at West Ham again would would feel like he's got to be a double digit goal and assist for both uh, a year, where maybe he could be anyway. If if he was a, a role a role player, by the way, at Chelsea, I don't think that he's a sub at Chelsea. I think that Tuchel just knows he's got the luxury of having a number of players that he can have run six to eight games straight, and then maybe you're out for six to eight games, and six to eight games straight, maybe you're out. And I think that in itself maybe makes everybody in the in the rotation of things, as opposed to the fact that we're talking about it towards the end of the season and he's not starting. You know, middle of the year when he was starting, or if that middle of the year was at the end of the year, I would still see it as the same. Where I think. Thomas Tuchel sees the value in him for long stretches and then and then rotates him. And then he finds himself buried um, for a while, which is not ideal. But I, I like Charlie Shout for a Spurs or, you know, some of these Spanish clubs could be good, too. It just I think we all see him needing to be at a certain level, uh, but but uh, still around like that Champions League tier and quality player where where he's, you know, he's he's creating around other borderline world class players. No, 100%. I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation, of course. So we'll, we'll let it uh, lie here right. I mean, as he it is. He hasn't right served now. for eight, game, eight straight games. Yeah, games. it's, it's uh, something they're to keep an eye on, of course. And, and obviously, we'll have a big impact on how we're feeling confidence wise going into the World Cup. Though, if he hits a switch and we know he's got that switch to hit, he can uh, he can turn games on a dime. And when, the, when it's time to show up for the World Cup, he'll be ready. Now, final thoughts before I let you go. It's just a prediction, Charlie. I'm coming to you first. CONCACAF Champions League. Let's put a bow on this conversation. The game's happening Wednesday night in Seattle. Sellout crowd expected to be there. Marshawn Lynch expected to be there. 2-2 after leg one. Can the Seattle Sounders book their ticket, win the CONCACAF Champions League for the first time since the LA Galaxy did it when it was called something different in 2000 and there's no FIFA Club World Cup for them to play in? What's your scoreline? Who's scoring the goals? And can they do it? What do you say, Chuck? 2-1 Sounders. 2-1 Sounders. 3-1. I'm saying three, three one, one Sounders. Sounders. Do you, wait, wait. So you guys both give a goal. Do you think? Do you think Pumas get the first goal to put some pressure on it, or do you think the game's already in hand before Pumas scores? Chuck, I'm gonna go. It's one nil Sounders. One one. Then, <laughs> it gets wow. to one one. I'm gonna be squeaky bump time over here. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying okay. I'm saying one nil. Then two nil. Then two one. Where it gets real dicey. You see that momentum swing. Crowds. Uh, crowds feeling a little antsy. And then uh, Pumas overexposes himself going for that for that second one. You finish at 3-1. I love that. You know what? I'm going to stick with you guys. I think the Sounders are going to win. I can see Pumas scoring first just to make it a little dicey. But uh, Sounders, like they showed in leg one, will find a way to get back and win it late. And then everybody will lose their minds. And everybody's being so excited. We finally got a team in the FIFA Club World Cup. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Mike Victory and Jeffrey Bruno, who had very good questions. We'll answer them in the very next episode. Because today is done. We are finished. And Soccer We Trust is over. We'll see you again on Thursday, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. 
We may or may not have a special guest. We may or may not have some special things planned for you. I don't you know. You just have to wait and see. It's just a big, giant tease over here. So for producer Des Norris and Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Davies, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time to In Soccer We Trust. Later. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.